All right, we got a lot to do this morning. All right, so buckle up. Oh, by the way, your outline, totally toast. It really is. I, I, I just was inspired later in the week, and so your outline, it, some of the stuff will be in there, but it's, you're just kind of on your own this morning. So uh, you could make an airplane out of it and fly it. It's just not going to work real well. You know, I was thinking when I was watching the Super Bowl, if you were the parents of the Harbaugh's, and their name, interesting, you know, and I don't think they changed their names, but the parents are Jackie, Jack and Jackie Harbaugh. Kind of interesting. But you're looking and your two sons are coaching opposing teams in the Super Bowl. Who do you pull for? You know? Uh, this is what they said. There's going to be one winner and one son is going to be totally disappointed, Jack Harbaugh said. Our thoughts go to that one that will experience that will not experience the thrill of victory. So, you know, and I think about God. Does he have a favorite team? Because I'm sure there's people praying on both sides saying, God, help us win, help us win. Well, what does that mean for the other team? The, the people are praying, God, help us win, help us win. I mean, are you for us or against us, you know? Uh, did you see uh, the uh, Sports Illustrated cover? Uh, who, who does God answer? Whose prayers is good? Does he weigh it out? Well, I have more Presbyterians on this side. And, you know, I mean, does he, how does he do that? You know, how does he choose who's he, whose team is going to win? Well, it's interesting because Joshua, and that's who we're going to look at this weekend, he's out surveying the walls. He's about ready to take the promised land, and he's looking at this big city, fortified city of Jericho. And he meets this man, and, he basically, and he's got a sword, and he says, are you for us or against us? That's what we're going to look at this weekend. But before we do that, I really want to do a quick walk through the book of uh, Joshua and just kind of give you kind of a 20,000-foot view of the book so you can understand what's going on here. There's a couple of interesting things here. There's incredible parallels between Moses and Joshua. Now, Joshua was Moses' protege for probably 40 years plus. He was his assistant, so he learned under a great leader. Moses was one of the greatest leaders. And so now Joshua is going to become a military leader. Now, when Moses brought the people out of Egypt, they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. When Joshua brought the people into the Promised Land, they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. When Moses met the Lord at the burning bush... God said, take your sandals off because the place you're standing is holy ground. When Joshua meets this, this soldier, this man with a sword, bearing a sword, we know it to be Jesus, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. G- uh, he's told, uh, take off your sandals. The, the place you're standing is holy ground. So there's a lot of these parallels that are going on here. Joshua meets the captain of the Lord's army, and he's told, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. So there's a number of... And what's going on here is the mantle of leadership is being passed from Moses to Joshua. Now, I think Joshua, and, and it, you know, sometimes it's easy to be number two because you could realize you're, it's not all on your shoulders. And so I think it's began to fall on his shoulders. And that's why I think in chapter one, he says, be strong and courageous. You can do this. I'll be with you. I'll help you. God's saying it all through chapter one. So we look at Josh, you know, I was, I, I was saying to Carol, uh, my wife, yesterday, I said, if you could pick three passages, two or three or four passages from the book of Joshua, you say just are critical passages or really good passages, important passages, memorizable, that's a bad word, uh, but you could memorize these verses, what would they be? And here's one of them, Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 6. Let me read it to you. 
If you have your Bibles, you might want to underline this. Uh, I would do 6 through 9. And this is what uh, the Lord says to, to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors. I, w- uh, I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be f- careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will have success in everything you do. And then notice what he says in verse 8. Study this book in, of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written into it. Let me just say to you, verse 8 is what we're challenging you to do this year. We're challenging you to do exactly what God tells Joshua to do. Meditate on this book daily, day and night. Um, And then he says this. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a great passage. You ought to have that highlighted, underlined, you know, arrows going to it. You know, maybe bookmark, whatever it is. That's one of them. The second passage that I would pick out, and I just love this passage, is Joshua 14. Because in Joshua 14, this 80-year-old plus Caleb, he's at least 80, he comes to Joshua, and he says, you know the land, and you know the giants that everybody was afraid of 40 years ago? You know how that was what kept us from going into the land? I want that land. He says, as an 80-plus-year-old, he says, I'm as nimble, and I'm as strong as I was 40 years ago, and I've been waiting, and, and I want the land. I want the giants. I want the mountain. Give me that land. I love that story. So read Joshua 14 if you want that. I was telling somebody yesterday that when Caleb was leaving the land as one of the spies, he looked back and he did a Schwarzenegger. He said, I'll be back. And, and he was, boy, he came back and it was, it was you could have, Schwarzenegger would have been proud. But, so there would be two passages. The last passage we're going to look at in a minute, and that's Joshua 24 and verse 15. And this is a great passage to have memorized as parents. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our house is going to honor God. Well, I don't care what you're doing, but I know what we're doing. And that's essentially what Joshua says to the people as they prepare to enter the land. Let me give you a quick outline of the book, what's going on there. Um, in j- chapters 1 through 12, they're conquering the land. And how they conquer it's kind of interesting. They go through the middle section, they take the south, they take the north, and then they distribute the land to the 12 tribes. That's basically the gist of what's going on. So in chapters 13 through 22, you see the distribution of the promised land. The land is given. So each tribe, each of the 12 tribes, gets a portion of the promised land. And then chapters 23 through 24, Joshua gives his farewell address. Just like Moses in Deuteronomy gives three farewell addresses, Joshua does the same thing here. The people are now in the land, or are, are, are in the land, and he gives them a farewell address. He tells them, this is what I, and that's why he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's basically saying, you have to choose. You have to choose which way you're going to go. Now, I want to talk for a minute because they're told to go in, and the people living in the land are the Canaanites. And they're wicked, they're evil, they do child sacrifice. They're, uh, here's the bottom line. 
people say, well, isn't that ethnic cleansing? Isn't it wrong for Israel to go in and kick these, these people out of the land and to destroy them? And, and I just want to give you the perspective of what's happening here. What is going on here is that God, the God of the universe, has the right to judge anyone. And nations or individuals, he has the right. He created us. We, he, is, he is the potter. We are the clay. So he has the right to judge. And sometimes what God does, and you'll see this in the Old Testament, God uses one nation to judge another nation. What God is going to do here is he's going to use the nation of Israel to judge the Canaanites who are wicked. Instead of bringing a natural disaster or doing something or doing some type of judgment like that, he is going to use the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, to destroy the Canaanites. Now, they don't ultimately do it. And, and there's another reason why he tells them to do it. He tells them to do it because if you go into this land and they're still there, you're going to be influenced by them. You're, they're going to pull you away. You're going to worship their gods and your hearts are going to go for me. And that's ultimately what ended up happening. The Canaanites had an incredibly destructive influence on the Jewish people. But he says this, and you can mark this verse down, Deuteronomy 9, verse 5. This is God talking to the people. He says, it's not because you are good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy the land. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you because of their wickedness. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm driving them out not because you're good, because they're bad. Because I made a promise to Abraham. Now, here's the other thing. What's going to happen to the nation of Israel is, down the road, the nation of Assyria and the nation of Babylon are going to be God's hand of punishment on the nation of Israel. They're going to come in, and they're going to clean house with the nation of Israel. So God is going to use these nations, the nation of Assyria and Babylon, to punish the uh, Israelites. And you'll see that coming up. All right, so what's going on in chapter 5? Because this is where we want to dive into the text with the time we have left. Jo- Joshua is uh, preparing a plan, but the covenant renewal of circumcision. So they're circumcising, they're renewing the covenant. The, co- the circumcision was the sign of the covenant. They're saying, we will keep covenant. The people uh, celebrate the Passover. It's probably the first time they've celebrated the Passover in a long time. Uh, the daily provision of manna ends, and uh, we come to this very interesting passage in Joshua 5 where we're going to spend uh, the bulk of our time. The context is Joshua, and he's a general, he is going to help the nation of Israel, lead the nation of Israel into taking the promised land. And so he's looking at this big fortified city. Now, this city is already shaky. They're already, they're already a fearful of the Jewish people. Why? Because they've heard. They're not afraid of the... I don't think they were afraid of the people of Israel or their armies, because let's be honest, these, these people have been out in the wilderness. They're not, they're not the strongest nation. But what they are afraid of is they've heard about their God. They've heard about how the seas have been parted. They've heard about how he's provided for them. They've heard about every nation that's ever gone against them is lost. So they know that this God that's behind them is very powerful. So though they're in a fortified, almost impregnable city, they are concerned about what's going to take place. So Moses is walking, or excuse me, Joshua's walking around the city trying to make, you know, devise a plan, and he meets this man with a sword. And he asks the question, are you for us or against us? So we want to pick that up in Joshua chapter 5. Notice what it says. This is verse 13, and then we'll jump through to verse 2 of chapter 6. 
When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up, he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am your, I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Now the gates of Jericho were tight, uh, tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, notice what he says, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. Now our passage, and this is where my outline comes in that you don't have in your notes, but it'll be up on the screen. Our passage shows us three critical steps or critical components of a growing faith. The first one is this. Growing faith submits to the Lord of the universe. Joshua asks that question, are you for us or against us? The question is, who is he talking to? Who's Joshua talking to? Who is this man? Well, we know it wasn't an angel because Joshua bows down to an angel. Uh, wouldn't bow down to an angel. He might have, but an angel would have said, don't bow down to me. In, in the book of Revelation, you'll see that a couple times where John bows down to an angel. He says, don't bow down to me. Don't bow down to me. But notice, this person, when, jo- when Joshua bows down, he, 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 the, the, this person doesn't say, oh, wait, wait, I'm just an angel. So it's not an angel. We believe, and theologians have a word for this, the, that it's the pre, pre-incarnate occurrence of Jesus Christ. What that means, pre-incarnate means that it's, the, the, it's Jesus showing up here on earth before he was born in Bethlehem. All right? Uh, let me throw another term out to just make it more fun for you. Uh, Christophany. Christophany. And that's what the theologians call it. It's a, it's really all it means is it's a physical appearance of Jesus before he was born as a baby in a manger. That's essentially what they're saying. It's a theological jargon for that. And we have a couple of those through the Old Testament where Jesus shows up in some type of a physical appearance and is able to communicate. And that's what's going on here. So we believe, and he identifies himself as a commander of the Lord's army. In other words, he's saying, I'm commander of the universe. And Joshua's response is absolutely correct. He falls on his face. He says, what are your orders? What are your orders? So it is, it is very interesting. So Joshua here is being commissioned by Jesus to go and take the city. He immediately submitted to the commander-in-chief of the universe. He fell on his face. And I love the phrase that somebody said, on your feet before men, on your face before God. That's a great posture to have because, see, we usually do it the opposite. We usually bow down to men, stand up to God. We ought to do exactly the opposite. Now, Joshua here shows us really two critical components of obeying our commander-in-chief. Number one, you must choose to include him. Now, up to this point, what Joshua is doing is not bad. He's making plans. He's strategizing. He's uh, trying to come up with a plan that will give them the victory. And God comes to Joshua, and he's, he's going to show Joshua that, great, you're making plans, but here's the most important part of your plans. They have to include me. How often have you, maybe this last week, maybe this last month, you've made plans, you've made decisions, you've 
you've gone and decided to do things a certain way, but you have never consulted God. Now, Joshua's going to make a, a huge critical mistake because he's going to go on without consulting God, and it's going to cost him. And I think he, in, 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 in the biblical record, he only does it once, but once is too many times. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we see here is that you must choose to submit to Him. See, once you meet God, once you know His will, you have a choice of whether you're going to submit to Him or not. You have a choice to decide, am I going to do my thing or am I going to do His thing? You know, and many of the heartaches and many, much of the pain that you've experienced in your life is because you, have, you know what you want, He wants you to do, but yet you choose to do your own thing. And you suffer the consequences when you do that, when you disobey God's commands. In other words, what Joshua is saying at the end of this book is he's saying, you need to choose today who you're going to obey. If you obey God, he will be, life is going to be good. You're not going to have, still have difficulties, but generally you're going to be okay. But if you choose to go your own way, you're in for a cursing. You're in for a time. So the question is, are you willing to submit to the commander of the armies of the universe? Now, it seems like a simple answer. You know, most of us say, of course I am. Of course I am. And the answer is simple until we fall in love with the wrong person. Until we see a shortcut that we shouldn't take. Until we decide we're going to play judge. And until we choose to be our own God. It's simple until those situations come up. I like what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. And that's the challenge we have. So growing faith. Growing faith, number two, sees beyond this world. Joshua only saw the physical. He saw the city. He saw the walls. He saw the challenge. He saw the, 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 the troops that he had, whatever you want to call them. We, we're not getting a big description of how many men they had and warriors and how good they were and what weapons they had. None of that. Now the commander-in-chief meets him. And what he does is very interesting. He begins to peel back the universe because he wants Joshua to see something that's going on that he does not see. That there is a spiritual dimension to this battle that's going to take place. That Jericho is not going to fall because of some physical strategy that he concocts. It's going to fall because the God of the universe is going to give them the victory. That there's a spiritual dimension. That, you know, and, and this is so important for us to under, understand. What, 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 what Joshua learns is, what God basically says is, Joshua, I'm going to take the city down for you. All you're really going to do is clean up the mess. And that's really all they do. Uh, notice, uh, I, I'm just going to read this to you because it, te- it tells kind of the strategy that God gives and, and Joshua as they carries it out. And I'll read it to you. Seven priests uh, carrying seven trumpets before the Lord went forward and they're going around the city, blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets. And at the rear, uh, and the rear guard followed the ark. Um, all this time, the trumpets were sounding. The seventh time around, this is on the seventh day, they did it once a day. And then on the seventh day, they did it seven times and then they blew the trumpets. <coughs> The seventh time around, 
When the priest sounded the trumpet's blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And the walls came down, and the cleanup began. The feat was already over before they even uh, lifted a sword. Now, what kind of battle strategy is that? Joshua, get the priests out front there. I'm sure there's a lot of priests going, yeah, I don't want to be a priest today. <laughs> and you're going, to blow, you're going to carry the ark around, and you're going to blow a trumpet. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, seven times. Now blow the trumpet and watch what happens. What kind of strategy is that? And what he's saying is, Joshua, the battle belongs to me. This is a spiritual battle. This is not about you. It's about me. I said I would, would give you the land. I'm going to give you the land. And God wanted Joshua to see the spiritual dimension that he, that he wouldn't even have to lift a finger to bring those walls down. They were going to come down because God brought them down. What I want to say to you is this. This is so critically important you understand this. If you could peel back the universe and you could see the spiritual dimension to the world going on right now around us, you would be amazed. The New Testament describes that as principalities and powers and darkness that there is a battle going on around you right now that you may not see it, but it's happening. And when you don't understand that, and you try to do it all on your own, and you don't take into account the spiritual dimension, you are, you're not understanding what's going on. I, what I'm suggesting is this. How many battles have you taken on that have belonged to the Lord? How many times have you failed to consult or seek him? How many times have you failed to see the spiritual dimension that's going on underneath the surface that you can't see? I like what Tozer says. He says, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity. We plan only things that we can do by ourselves. And what Tozer's saying is, we, we, we don't even begin to understand what God wants to do through us because we don't consult Him. We don't look to Him. We don't ask Him. Let me give you a, maybe more of a concrete example. If you've ever gotten into an argument with another person, let's just say you're married and you've gotten into, a, you've gotten into an argument or a disagreement in your marriage, and you feel sorry for yourself, and you, you, you pile the case up so that you're not at fault, and it's not your fault, it's there. And you sometimes have this attitude of, God, take my side, not theirs. Take, her, take, take my side, not his. Take my side, not hers. Be on, are you for me or against her? But that's what we want. We want, we want him to be for me and against her, right? And it's, it's her fault, it's not my fault. What you do not see, if you do not peel back that part of the universe and see the spiritual dimension, that there is an enemy that desires to divide you as a couple and as a mar in a marriage, he wants to destroy it. He wants to break people apart, not bring people together. There is an enemy out there that is doing that, and you are falling. Pray for it. If you do not understand, there's a spiritual dimension that is of influencing you and influencing your spouse and trying to draw you apart. He would have nothing. Listen, he wants to discourage you. He wants you to be selfish. He wants you to, to put all the, the blame shift. He wants you to do all that stuff. And you fall prey to it because you don't see there's a spiritual dimension to every relationship that you have. And when you, when you 
you know, what I, what I found is when I find myself going down that road and I hear this, the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, Matt, what you're saying to your heart isn't true. That's not true. And I go, you're right, it's not. And what I've just been reminded at that moment is I've allowed the enemy to distort the truth. I've allowed the enemy to pervert my perspective. I've allowed the enemy to get into my life and to destroy a relationship. That's what we have to see. What, what God was doing to Joshua there, he's saying, Joshua, there's a spiritual dimension to every physical battle that you're going to be in. And if you don't see that, you're going to lose all a lot of battles. Now, let me give you a concrete example where that happens. So Jericho is a pretty easy win. It's a big win. It's like taking Chicago. They took Chicago. They're done cleaning up Chicago, and they come to this small city called AI. It'd be like Dyersville. So you're Joshua. You just took over Chicago. There's Dyersville. Let's send everyone. No, why would we send everyone? We don't need to send all those troops. Just send, just send a, a, a percentage. You just, a, it's Dyersville. I mean, they don't even have the ballpark built yet. There's nothing. Listen, if you're from Dyersville, I'm not dissing you at all. I'm really not. I'm just trying to give a comparison here, okay? So what happens? They go to AI, and they get destroyed. I mean, they get totally messed up. Joshua's mad at God. I thought you were giving me, giving us the land. And God says to Joshua, you need to peel back. Peel back. Because if you had peeled back, you would have seen there's something wrong. He bas- God basically says, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Now, if Joshua had just gone to God and said, God, we've, we've completed our mission here in, in Jericho. Uh, we have the city, Ai. What's your favor? God would have said, okay, fine. You're going to take Ai, but you've got sin in the camp. His name is Achan. He's taken some of the spoils from Jericho. He needs to be dealt with. Deal with him first, and then I'll give you Ai. He didn't do that. He went on his way, and he failed. And I just want to ask you, how many AIs do you have in your life? Because you have failed to peel back the spiritual dimension. You failed failed to consult God. You failed to ask for guidance. And you've allowed yourself to just go down that train and say, God, I got this one. It's a small thing, and it's just blown up in your face. Like I said, Joshua, I think, in this record, only made that mistake once. But once was too costly. What I'm saying to you is that many of your defeats and many of your problems are caused because you fail to see the Lord's direction in your life and you're not seeing the spiritual dimension that's beneath the surface. Now, maybe you have heard from God and He's told you, don't do that. And you said... (laughs) Don't you want me happy? The only way I'm going to be happy is if you let me do this. God says, you're not going to be happy. A person with growing faith looks beyond the visible to see the spiritual struggle. 
They know there is an enemy seeking to devour them. First Peter 5, 8 says that Satan is like a ra- roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And Satan is an omnipresent, meaning he's not everywhere and he doesn't know everything. But there are principalities and powers. You can read about all those. All, all I want you to, to see is this, that there is an evil power. There are spiritual forces that want to d- discourage you. They want to break you down. They want to break your relationships apart. They want you to make poor choices. They want you to buy in with a world system. They want you to just have distorted thinking that it is alive and well and anything they could do to take God's children and push their face in the mud before the Father. They love that. Joshua made the mistake of not consulting God and many men died that day needlessly. He learned a very valuable and important lesson. Folks, we have to learn that lesson too. Here's the last thing. A growing faith looks to the ultimate Savior. Now, Joshua was a great leader. He helped the people take the promised land, and he calls them to a time of commitment. At the end of his life, as they've taken the land and they distributed the land, and now Joshua calls the leaders together, and he says, this is my speech to you. And I want to read you that. This is the other passage of Scripture that I said, if I was going to underline a passage, this would be one of them, this this verse. It's Joshua chapter 23. I'm going to read the first 23 verses, then I'm going to jump down to chapter 24, verse 12. This is what it says. The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua, who was now very old, called together all the elders, leaders, judges, and officers of Israel. He said to them, I am now very old. You have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you in, during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you uh, against your enemies. And notice what he says here. It's not, it was not your swords or bows that brought, the vic- brought you victory. And then he says this, this is chapter 24. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites? in whose land you now live. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's a powerful passage. Joshua was saying, this is how you need to live in the land if you want to be blessed. Honor the Lord. Don't fall into the traps of the people around you, the pagans around you. Don't allow them to... Listen, we, when we go next... Next weekend, we're going to look at the book of Judges. We're going to see just how, the, how you can be corrupted by your culture. We're going to talk about that next weekend. But for now, here's the thing I want you to see. Joshua ends his life as one of the greatest military leaders ever in the nation of Israel. But Joshua is a picture of somebody greater. Jesus came from heaven, and he won the battle for our salvation. Jesus won, his, Jesus won our salvation. Not by going out with a sword. He, he won it uh, by a brutal execu- execution. He, Jesus, actually, it's, it's, it's almost counterintuitive. Jesus won our victory by surrendering to execution on a cross. He was defeated. Or he was defeated 
and he defeated the enemy at the same time. Joshua brought the people out of the wilderness into the promised land of peace. Now, the writer of Hebrews says something that's very interesting. He's talking about how Joshua brought the people into the land and they experienced a relative amount of peace. But the writer says, but they didn't experience the ultimate peace. Let me read you that passage. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says this. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would, have, would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest waiting for the people of God. In other words, what, what, what uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying is Joshua brought the people physical rest, but he didn't bring them spiritual rest. That there's this ultimate rest coming. This ultimate rest that only Jesus could provide. Only the Messiah could provide. Only the warrior could provide. How he do it? He did it by surrendering his life on the cross. He did it by taking the sword for us. Going under the sword for us. Taking the penalty for us. Dying for us in our place. Fighting the battle for us and winning the battle. That's why Jesus, the last words on the cross he, he gave were, it is finished. Now, Jesus brings us out of the wilderness of sin and death and brings us into the land of freedom and life. He offers us rest for our weary souls. He brings peace now, but one day he will return with his sword for judgment. Now, here's the point. Jesus said at one point when he was on this earth, he said, um, uh, come and follow me and I will give you rest. My yoke is not heavy. Now, I just want to say to you, Joshua was a great leader. But he's a picture of the one, the ultimate warrior, and the ultimate leader, and the ultimate victor. And that's Jesus Christ, who brings us out of the bondage, not out of the bondage of Egypt and bringing us into the promised land, but out of the bondage of sin. And he brings us into this place. And Jesus says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you will have peace, peace with God, and peace forever, and hope. Do you have that? Do you have that peace? Do you know? You see, the response we have to have today is this. When the God of the universe calls us, we, like Joshua, need to fall on our faces and say, here I am, Lord. What would you have me to do? Now, one last word. The battle of Jericho is instructive for anyone who is trying to save themselves. You're fighting a losing battle. If you are trying to be good enough, to follow the rules good enough, to, be, to measure up a good, to do enough, you are, you are fighting a losing battle. You'll never win that battle. You see, Joshua didn't bring the walls down. God did. There's some battles that only God can win. Your salvation is one of those battles. You can't win this battle. We don't, ha- we, we don't earn our salvation. God provides it. You'll never win the battle for your soul. But here's the good news. The good news is Jesus already has. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is that way. So here's the response. If you're here today and you never called upon the Lord, here's your response. You say, Jesus, I realize you're the commander-in-chief of the universe. I realize that you gave your life on the cross for me. I realize that you won the battle that I couldn't win. That you brought, you gave your life up. You surrendered so that I could live. You're the only one that could bring me that ultimate peace that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. I realize that. And here's your response. Joshua 5.15. The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet. For the place you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. And then Joshua said, And Lord, what would you have me to do? Call upon the Lord. 
How are you going to respond? How are we going to respond? Joshua fell to his face before the Lord. That's the only response for a Christ follower. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Our Father, what an amazing book. And we've just skimmed the surface. But we have seen that there is another dimension to this world that we can't see, but is alive and well and active. There is an enemy. And that the only way that we can have victory is if we walk closely with you. Some of us have strayed, Father. Some of us have tried to do things on our own. Some of us have have not seen this spiritually demonic dimension influencing our relationships. Some of us are trying to earn our salvation, trying to win that battle. It's an unwinnable battle. May we surrender to you. May we look to you. May we obey you. And as we prepare to enter into our promised land, Father, may we walk with you. Keep us from the AIs. Keep us from those little things that can do so much damage. And Father, when you warn us, when you pull back the curtain to show us that spiritual dimension, may we see it and may we respond in obedience to you. For your glory and our good, we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.